7. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. As we, as we said uh, last week, it's not a very long verse, but boy, the punch that it uh, packs. Amen. This is a very important uh, life verse uh, for us, a verse to live by. And 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. Most people on planet Earth, including uh, many, many, many of God's children, are living their lives on a daily basis by sight as opposed to faith. Amen. So the just, the Bible says, shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. There's different ways of, of interpreting what that means. And the Bible says that, by the way, over and over again, the just shall live by faith. One of the ways is the word just means uh, right. Uh, the right ones live by faith. In other words, those who have it right, <laughs> the Bible says there's a way to live that seems right, but it, it's not right, okay? But the ones who really have it right are the ones who are living by faith. And of course, learning to live by faith is a, is a commitment, it's a journey, it's a process. Um, and thank God we, we are well on our way, amen? Now, just a few things before we uh, review a little bit and, and then get into some new stuff. Remember, you were never meant to live in the world with a view of the world that comes from the world. You were never meant to live in this world with a view of this world that comes from this world. And we've also said the church needs to shift from a worldly view of heaven to a heavenly view of the world. And I know when you use this term world, it just seems like so big and huge. But how about your world? Amen. How about your life? What's going on with you and your family? You were never meant to, to, to be a parent, to, to be a husband, to be a wife, to be a son, to be a daughter with a view of what it means to be a husband, a wife, a son or a daughter or a parent um, that comes from this world's way of looking at these things and, and trying to be successful um, in these things. There's God's wisdom, there's God's ways of doing and, and being and getting results, and then there's this world's wisdom, this world's way of being and doing and getting results. And we see that God's wisdom is completely opposite to this world's wisdom. There's what we just did, give. That's the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God says, give and it'll be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. That's completely different than the way the world looks at increasing financially. Amen. Am I right about this? Think about it now. We've often used um, the example of um, being stuck on a deserted island, and the name of the island is the island where nothing ever changes. And, you know, 20 years ago we thought something changed, but turns out it didn't, okay? How do you get off this deserted island where nothing ever changes? Well, uh, the Lord sends a boat by that's called the wisdom of God. But because his wisdom is not of the same materiality as the island where nothing ever changes, the best he can do is slow it down and bring it close. But if you're ever going to get off the island where nothing ever changes, you're going to have to take a leap, right? You're going to have to take a leap of faith and do something in a way you've never done. So Jesus comes to a world that's struggling financially, and he says, let me tell you how to prosper financially. Give. Give from the right heart. Don't give to be seen. But give, and your Father in heaven who sees... He will reward you openly by giving unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together. Will it be poured into your lap? Okay. Now that's the wisdom of God. It seems very strange, very uh, counter uh, to the wisdom of this world. So notice now, He brings His wisdom very close to you and me. He slows it way down. But you're either going to jump in the boat, take the leap of faith. What does that mean? That means you're either going to do it or you're not going to do it. 
Amen. But if you want off the island where nothing ever changes, we've got we to gotta do something differently than what we've done before, which, as it relates to what we're studying, which means we're going to have to learn to look at things differently than the way we've looked at them in the past. God wants to change the way you look at parenting. He wants to change the way you look at being a husband or a wife. He wants to change the way you look at being a, a business owner, a boss, a supervisor, a manager, or being a, an, an employee because all of us have authority over us and all of us are meant to have uh, authority, in, in other words, things and people that are under us. Amen. But see, there's the world's way of looking at this and doing this, and then there's God's way of looking at this and doing this. And Jesus told his disciples straight up, he says, in, in, the, in the world, in the world system, he said, someone with authority lords over and, and, and looks at the people under them as underlings, as less than. But in the kingdom, the people God puts you over, you serve. You serve. It's servant leadership. Amen. Again, if you're ever going to experience the benefits of that in your own life, amen, you're going to have to step, take a step of faith. In other words, get off the island where nothing ever changes. And get into the boat of the wisdom of God, take that leap of faith, and begin to do it God's way. We've done it our way long enough. We've done it the world's way long enough. We're not ever going to change this world looking at this world, amen, with a view of this world that comes from this world. Jesus changed this world, and He did it by not looking at this world with a view of the world that came from the world. He changed this world by having a heavenly view, a heavenly view. And so when we come to church to, to learn and to, and to grow and to dig deeper into the Word of God, it's, it's not just so that we can have, you know, uh, uh, religious traditions instilled into our children. No, it's so that we can see things the way God sees them and begin to live our lives accordingly. So this then brings us back to we walk by faith, not by sight. Now, the devil is behind the phrase blind faith. Walking by faith does not mean walking blindly. Let's go back to the example, given it'll be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men pour into your bosom. That's the wisdom of God. He brings it close to the dock on the island where nothing ever changes and slows it way down. But it's time to jump in the boat. Amen. Well, he's not saying take a blind leap, right? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let, let me give you an example. I'm, we're not going to do this. Let me give you an example, okay? I could, I could teach on the subject of fasting for the next 20 minutes, teaching you from the Word of God what the Bible says about fasting, okay? And if you're listening and are, and are leaning in instead of leaning out, then what's going to happen is the measure of faith that you've been given is going to be awakened and aroused and strengthened. And if you're not careful, you'll leave out of here planning on not eating a bite for 40 days, Right? Because what's happening? Faith is, is being affected in you by the truth, by the Word of God. It's rising up in you. You hear the benefits of fasting, the health benefits, the spiritual benefits, the mental benefits, the emotional benefits, how it, it, it uh, opens up a door uh, for the power of God to flow in your life. So you hear all these things, and it's like, man, where do I sign up? I mean, let's, let's do this. Okay? So, again, I'm just trying to show you the same is true with, with giving or any other subject. That's why we always receive the offering and then teach on giving because I'm not wanting you to get all emotionally stirred up and start writing some check that, that may not be in faith but be, may be by emotion, okay? But again, we teach systematically on these things because you've got to have faith to take the leap and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So what happens then when we, when we hear the Word of God, 
Our eyes are being opened to the way things truly are, not to the way things appear to be. You see, the wisdom of this world makes financial increase appear one way, right? Jesus came to show us a completely different way. Same is true with promotion. Same is true with with being promoted in life. And being promoted in life doesn't mean just, you know, moving up in your company. It it includes moving up in your company. But being promoted in life is, is when God entrusts more and more resources, more and more influence, more and more... Um, authority, more and more of His power into your life. This is what it means uh, to, to be promoted, right? The Bible says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and He will exalt you in due time. See, the world says exalt yourself. The world says, if you don't toot your horn, nobody else will toot it. The world says, you know, elbow your way to the top. Doesn't matter who you hurt or step on on the way uh, getting there. That's not how it works in the kingdom. In the kingdom, if you want to be great, you become a servant. Jesus modeled this for us. Judas betrayed Jesus with clean feet because Jesus washed his nasty, stinking, betraying feet before he went and betrayed him. That's love. That's love. Amen. Amen. So, (laughs) I'm getting stirred up. All right. So, let's get back to it then. You've got the world's way of being promoted and the wisdom of this world to get the result of promotion. But then you've got God's way. All right. But see, if we only look to this world's way and, and how it appears in, in this world system, but now Jesus came to show us how it truly is. How it truly is. Amen. And of course, the choice now is, are we going to respond to, act upon um, the way things truly are? That, that's what it means to walk by faith. To live your life based upon the way things truly are, or are we going to continue to live our lives based upon the way things appear to be? So walking by faith does not mean walking blindly. Walking by faith means walking with the ability to see things as they truly are, as opposed to the way things appear to be. Now, there's a verse that really started this current study some months ago, and I'm going to refer back to it this morning. It's Matthew chapter 6, verse 22 and 23. Jesus says, The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you be darkness, how great is that darkness. Now remember here, lamp is referring to an oil lamp. And the way an oil lamp works is the flame, which gives off the light into the room, it draws fuel from a a reservoir up through a wick. And he's saying that your eye is a lamp of the body, meaning whatever you focus on, you're going to draw into yourself. You're going to draw forth from within yourself and draw to yourself. So there's this drawing effect. Now, when he says if your eye be good, one way of understanding what he's saying there is if your eye be single, if if it has a singular focus, as opposed to if your eye be bad, which is referring to an an eye that may be uh, diseased or, or have some issue with it, which would cause you to see things in a distorted way or, or to see, uh, you know, double uh, vision, so to speak. A di- think, think of fragmented or divided focus. So he's talking here about a singular focus on the way things truly are because light is the ability to see things as they truly are. So again, we've spent some time with these verses already, But just to review, light means the ability to see things as they truly are. Darkness means seeing things in a distorted way 
or the inability to see things as they truly are. Do you realize how distorted, how distorted the view that comes from this world is becoming? And I'm, I'm not, again, you know, I, I grew up with pastors, some pastors, I won't say all of them this way, but pastors who, who would use the, um, the, the suffering and the confusion and the misery of others to get laughs and to make points and and I'm, I'm, my heart goes out to people who struggle uh, in, in, in all these different areas. Um, but, but now, in the name of tolerance, see, our, our world has become so confused that now they're saying grown men, it's okay for them to compete against women in, in sports and athletics. Again, I mean, there's no human being thinking logically that would agree that that's correct. You know, you, again, I'm, uh, please, I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, just tee one up for, for, you know, a laugh or a chuckle or, or whatever. I'm just, and I could go, I could go for two weeks on these things. But in other words, if the, if the light that is in you, in other words, if the way you see things is darkness, if the way you see things is the inability to see things as they truly are, if the way you see things is the inability to see things as they truly are, if the way you see things is distorted, then how great is the inability to see things as they truly are in you? And so this, this is what we're seeing. It, it, it has the snowball effect, right? And it's like one thing leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. Things that used to never even be mentioned in public are now being painted on the side of the White House. And it's, and it's just becoming more and more distorted, more and more confused. And Satan is hoping, not that the church, and unfortunately some are, but not that the church would necessarily take that hook, line, and sinker, but that we would simply move off of the truth if it's just a few degrees. Are you following what I'm saying? In other words, I, I'm probably going to go out of camera range, but you know, if the world is way over here on it, and the church is way over here on it, all right, the devil's not trying in one step to get us way over here, right? What is he trying to do? He's trying just to get us just to move a little bit, right? 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 Amen. Brother Donald and I were talking not long ago in this situation that he, that he knows personally, some friends of his, right? And so it starts out by tolerating it in the pew, but the devil's not going to be happy being tolerated in the pew until it's in the pulpit, and then the whole denomination changes their stand away from the Word of God. Are you with me? So if the light that is in you, meaning if the, if the way you think and the way you see things as they truly are is distorted, then how great is the inability for you to see things as they truly are? Now, we, we can use these um, drastic and, and glaring and obvious uh, distortions, um, you know, men using women's restrooms and all this other stuff, just, you know, uh, male swimmers competing with female swimmers and, and, and rewriting the record books. I mean, all those things are just outrageous, right? We can use that to illustrate it, but again... Um, most of that, I don't think, is, it may affect you in the fact that it frustrates you or aggravates you or whatever, but it's other things that are more applicable to your life and situation where the devil's just trying to, you know, incrementally 
move the needle just a little bit in a direction away from in a direction away from the way things truly are okay so <clears throat> i want to pull out one phrase and i really i got a lot of stuff to try to get to this morning we'll just get to as much as we have time for but i really felt led of the holy spirit to to put this part in here for us okay and it's the phrase your whole body will be full okay now he says your whole body will either be full of light the ability to see things as they truly are or your whole body will be full of darkness and again what causes someone's entire body to be full of light or what causes someone's entire body to be full of darkness or let's make sure you connect in all this together what would would enable or cause someone's entire body to be able to see things as they truly are Okay, remember Jesus showed us how they truly are. Or what would cause someone uh, inwardly in their heart uh, to be unable to see things as they truly are? It goes back to the eye, the lamp, or the focus, what we look to. Remember, what you look to becomes the lens you look through. What you look to becomes the lens you look through. Okay, If you're looking to this world instead of looking to Jesus you will always see your situation, your circumstance through the lens of this world. Amen. It's, it's, I know sometimes you know, we throw the term spiritual law around all the time. Uh, I believe this is a spiritual law, but if that terminology bugs you, let me just try to say it this way, real simple for you, okay? This is how it works. Jesus is showing us how things work. I've been blessed with the opportunity to be in ministry now for many, many years. And I do this here at Heritage. I do this in, in, in the, the hours that I spend teaching the men and women at the foundry, and I'll be at the Love Lady and different, different places, okay? And it, it's, it's a real simple approach, but just hear me. Some of you heard me say this before, but let me say it again, all right? Most people are trying to resolve advanced life problems without basic life understanding. Okay. You've got an advanced life problem and you're trying to fix it without basic life understanding. See, what I'm, t- what I'm going over right now, everything I've said up at this point is basic life understanding. It's how, things were wor- it's how things work. What you look to becomes the lens you look through. The lens you look through becomes the lens you live through, meaning how you respond to the circumstances and situations in your life. The only way you'll ever change the way you respond, because sometimes the responses feel or seem like they're automatic. Well, they feel and seem like they're automatic because they line up with the lens you live through. And the lens you live through is determined uh, by the, the things you look to. You, what you look to, you look through. What you look through, you live through. It's, in other words, it's, it's how you go about this thing we, we call life. And, and when there's a multiple layers... We sometimes just, you know, sitting here figuring out why nothing ever changes. Why we're stuck on this island where nothing ever changes. And we try and we come to church and we hear precepts and principles and things that sound good. And we may even take notes about them or whatever. But, but we wonder why it never seems to make a difference in our lives. There's a, there's a lot of different people weighing in on, on, on why church attendance is in such decline in, in, in our nation today. Okay. And, and I think maybe, you know, some of those answers, obviously I'm interested in those answers because if there's something we can do better uh, to encourage people to be more faithful, 
then I certainly want to want to do that. Um, somebody recently came out with you know the study in the poll that's integrity in the pulpit has caused many to be disillusioned. Well, okay, I, I, I imagine that's probably an issue, and, and so forth and so on. But I I think one of the 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 big at least you know from my perspective is people come and give God a try, and 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 when things don't don't seem to just magically deliciously turn completely around in their lives, um, you know they they become disillusioned, frustrated, whatever, and um, you know it's like I, I've said this over and over in, in classrooms of people struggling you know to overcome addiction. You know, how many of you ever grab one of those Gideon Bibles out of a hotel room to look to it for some answers? And just about everybody in the room raises their hand, okay? But they start, started with Genesis chapter 1, made it to chapter 4, or they started with Revelation uh, chapter 1 and made it to chapter 3 and just closed the thing up, threw it in the desk drawer and, you know, bedside, closed the door and grabbed another fifth of whiskey. It's like, there's no answers in here for me. There are answers. Something in you is telling you there are answers in that book, and you're right, but see, what the Bible says is you need somebody to read the verse and make the sense. And what you don't understand, the devil steals uh, just that fast from your life. Okay? And I've had people over the years get frustrated at me for reviewing and all sorts of stuff. But see, here's the thing. I, I, I could have preached three times the number of different sermon topics this year that we've preached already. But I'm not interested in you knowing a little bit about a lot of things. That's not going to help you. That's not, that's not how you understand uh, basic life understanding, how you begin to recognize and see clearly basic life understanding according to the way things truly are. Amen. So what's got to happen is you've you got to come to Jesus. You've got to get born again. You've got to allow the Holy Spirit to come on the inside of you because He is the one who leads you and guides you into all truth. And then you've got to submit yourself to servant leaders that God's put in your life to help train you and equip you and disciple you into. But but all of that, all those are big churchy words. But what it basically boils down to is the way you see things have got to change. You ask how many people get born again and they they continue to look at themselves the way they looked at themselves before they got born again. They continue to look at uh, things around them. Maybe an incremental change, maybe you know, the initial emotional uh, rush of it, all right? But remember, your mind didn't get born again. Your emotions didn't get born again. Your flesh and body didn't get born again. It was your spirit that got born again. And he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it under the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So someone gets born again, made just as right before God in the eyes of God as Jesus, just as free from sin, as Jesus, yet they don't see themselves, right, worldview, they don't see themselves according to who they truly are now. They continue to see themselves as the person they once were instead of the person they now are. And because they still see themselves as the person that they once were instead of the person that they now are, they tend to still live like the person that they once were instead of the person that they now are. And you can apply that to all the other things that Jesus has done for you. By His stripes you were healed. But so many times, God's people who get sick, first of all, the, the precious few that get sick and still believe God is a healer today, right? We see ourselves as sick people trying to get healed instead of healed people standing in faith to see... 
You realize the same Jesus who was made your sin so that you could be made his righteousness was made your poverty so you could be made his, his wealthiness. He became poor so you can be rich. And that doesn't mean emotionally or spiritually. It, look up the words. It literally means, I heard Brother Copeland talking about this week. Everybody says Jesus was poor. What's a poor man need a treasurer for? What's a, what's a poor man need a full-time bookkeeper for? Only keeping his books. Are you following me? We have an accountant here at the church, but he, you know, he, he has a lot of different people that, that, that he takes care of. Amen? Who knows, maybe we'll, maybe we'll be so prosperous one day as a family of faith that all he has time to do is deal with our finances. Amen? But do you see what I'm talking about? Your whole body will be full, is what he said. Your whole body will be full. Now, think about your whole body being filled with the ability to see things as they truly are. See, that's, that's, that's where we want to be, right? Anybody in here want to be full of the inability to see things as they truly are? See, that's, what the, that's what's going on with the world right now. And the Bible speaks of this. Strong delusion. The Bible speaks of this. A veil laying over the heart of the religiously minded. The Bible speaks of this. This isn't, God's not shocked that this is happening. He told you and me this was going to happen. It shouldn't shock us. But it's happening. Okay? It's because the more people focus on the way things, the way they want things to be as opposed to the way things truly are, it's with this world's view, right? The more they're going to be filled with the inability to see things as they truly are. So think about your whole body being filled with the ability to see things as they truly are as opposed to your body being filled with a distorted perspective or an inability to see things as they truly are. Now, We've said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, another way of, of, of understanding or translating this verse is we walk by seeing things as they truly are, not by the way things appear to be. We've said that Satan can easily manipulate the way things appear to be, and if you live your life based upon the way things appear to be, he can and will easily manipulate you. So faith is the ability to see beyond the way things appear to be and the ability to respond based upon the way things truly are. Now notice, we, we just added another level or another layer to this. So if we go back to it, what you look to becomes the lens you live through. Amen? What you look to becomes the lens you look through, and what you look through becomes the, you know, the lens you live through. So when we get to the living part, this, this is where we, we get into the actions. Remember, life is choice-driven, therefore must be spirit-led. Life is choice-driven, therefore must be spirit-led. You had a choice to get up, comb your hair, and come to church this morning, okay? Or stay in bed, okay? And I believe you've chosen the good thing, amen? And we could go on all the other choices, all the other places you could have been this morning, okay? But you chose to be here. Nobody made you come unless you're a kid, you know, maybe your mom and daddy made you come. Don't be mad about that, be thankful for that. Don't be mad about that. Be thankful for that. One day you'll be glad they did, okay? But any person of age in the room, you're here this morning because you chose to be. You chose to be, okay? So when we start talking about response, walking by faith means seeing and doing. That's what we mean by uh, seeing. By seeing and doing. Um, 
seeing and responding as things truly are. Okay, so walking by faith means seeing and doing, responding differently. I'll get it out here in just a minute. Seeing and responding as things truly are. Okay, now, this is why faith calls things that be not as though they are. Someone who calls things that be not as though they are, if we're not just, you know, parroting, P-A-R-R-O-T-I-N-G, parroting, repeating something we heard somebody else say. In other words, if it's genuine from the heart, okay, as opposed to somebody who's heard a few things and we adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preaches, kind of mimicking, okay. Someone who's truly doing this is someone who is seeing it differently. They're seeing it as it truly is. And now, because they're seeing it as it truly is, they're responding to it as it truly is. Now, to someone in the, you know, viewing this world the way the world views this world, somebody on the outside looking in, to somebody saying or calling something that be not as though it, as though it is in their lives, they're going to think, you can get all kinds of things. Religiously minded people tell you you're lying. That's not true. You're in denial. We were um, talking about some of the events of 2011 recently, me and Pam and John, Mark, and Gina. And um, the day that that tornado ripped through here, and um, somehow and gets lost in all those uh, memories of that night was if you were if those of you who were here at Heritage in those days, um, Pam's dad coded his heart stopped beating on an X-ray table um, that morning. And if you remember, the tornadoes, there was two rounds of tornadoes that day. The first ones went through Cahaba Heights in that way. And he was at Lakeshore Rehab when he coded on the x-ray table. And Pam was going to feed his breakfast. And she passed the ambulance coming out of there. And the, I'm, I don't, I don't want to exaggerate this, but I'm most positive the, the Spirit of the Lord told her that was her dad. She turned around and followed the ambulance to, uh, to, home, to Brookwood. Well, Brookwood was telling the ambulance, divert, divert, we're full from injuries from that morning's tornadoes, but thank God that ambulance driver didn't listen. He, he said, they're going to be mad at me, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going, and we found that out later. Well, they resuscitated him, and I think it was three more times that day that he coded, and, and um, so they, they told Pam, he's in their own life support, they told Pam they, and me, they said, uh, they said, look, you know, you, your dad is going to get progressively worse and die. He'll never come home from his hospital. And Pam said, oh, you just do whatever you've got to do, doctor, but he's coming home from this hospital. And so after about two or three conversations like that, they decided that um, Pam needed to see a psychiatrist. She needed some counseling because she was in denial. Well, no, she wasn't in denial. She just refused to respond based upon the way things appeared to be. Are you seeing this? It, it, I mean, it, when you see your loved one laying there, you know, sounds those machines make and, you know, talk to them and they just staring at the ceiling, you pull your, their eyelids back and their eyes roll back in the head. Again, we, see... <laughs> Never meant to live in this world with the view of the world that come from the world. It sounds, you know, so lofty and wordy and all this other stuff. But again, the world said he's gone. The world said let him go. The world, you know, but in, in Pam's heart, she knew 
that there was some unfinished business that needed to be taken care of. And there was some reconciliation and there was some forgiveness. And there was a reunion and a reuniting that needed to be taken care of. And she just said, no, you do whatever, doctor, but he's, he, he will live and not die. And he'll come out of this. And oh, you know, they just, okay, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, of course, those of you who know the story, lived five more years, came home, reunited with his wife. This beautiful, beautiful story. And then when he got good and ready, he fell asleep one night in our home in this world and woke up in heaven. With his son. Amen. 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 So when we calling things that be not as though they are to the world and to religiously minded people, you know, they don't understand that. I don't guess we should expect them to understand that. But we shouldn't be embarrassed by it either. What's that saying? I might be tired, but I ain't scared. I ain't scared. Amen. And this is what the Word said. This is what the Lord said. Amen. Bold. You've got to be bold about it. But it's not, a, listen though to this, it's not some kind of ginned up fake boldness. When you really see it as it truly is, you will truly respond to it as it truly is. So let's not forget Faith in God's how we get things done. I don't know, how, how do you get things done? See, well, I believe in hard work. Don't misunderstand me. Um, I worked really hard this week and yesterday out in the sun, and God's with me and whole time and all that stuff. So I'm, I'm not talking about being lazy here. But how do we get things done? Faith is how we get things done. Amen. Say amen to that. Faith is how we get things done. I'm expecting more than I can produce on my own. I'm not limited to, to my own intelligence and to my own ability and to my own ingenuity to, to try to make things happen in life. See, the world says you just need to make it happen. Well, what do you do when, when the world, ha- you've got a problem the world doesn't have an answer for? Faith in God's how we get things done. It's how we're supposed to get things done. 2 Corinthians 4 and 18. Let me try to finish this part right here <clears throat> maybe next week but do do yourself and the holy spirit and the, and the wisdom of god a favor operating in your life and go back when's the last time you've read uh second corinthians especially when it gets to chapter three four and five see three eighteen talks about looking to jesus and being transformed into the same image. Amen. <laughs> the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Looking, right? Again, focus. Hebrews 12 tells us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Consider Him who endured such contradictions of sinners against themselves, lest you become weary and faint in your mind. So being full, I, I, I didn't finish all that. Let me just come back to that. Being full of light is the result of focus. In the same way, being full of the inability to see things as they truly are is a result of focus. But being full of light means the inward ability to see things as they truly are. See, now... 
Now, we're, we're, we, our eyes may see it one way, but our heart sees it another. And our heart says, you know, your dad's laying there on life support, already coded three times a day. They're telling you he's probably not going to make it through the night. But the light that be in you is saying, this isn't how it appears to be right now. And you can sit there and shift over and focus on the gravity of the situation. Focus on the circumstances and the symptoms and the situations and the monitors and all that. All that's facts, right? You sit there and focus on that long enough, it's going to draw some confusion into you. It's going to draw some doubt into you. We just chose not to do that. Amen. 2 Corinthians 4, 18, While we do not look to the things which are seen, the New King James Version says look at. At's not the right translation. We do not look to the things which are seen. What's the difference between looking at something and looking to it? If you're looking to it, you're looking for whatever it is, you're looking for it to do something for you. If you look to money, that means you're, you're looking to money for your acceptance, for your security, for your identity, for your significance, for your purpose, as opposed to looking to God for your acceptance, security, identity, significance, and purpose. Okay? It's not just looking at. You can look at something and not look to it. Amen? All right. So we do not look to the things which are seen for our answers. Let me say it that way. We do not look to the things which are seen, visible, for our help. We do not look to the things which we see to figure out what's possible in, in this situation. I hope I'm not boring you. We've got to get this now. Come on. We've got to get this. But we look to things, the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So this passage is speaking of a deliberate and intentional action on our part. Looking to the way things appear comes easily and naturally for the unrenewed mind. The world says, I just call it the way I see it. But if you only see it the way it appears to be, you're going to always call it the way it appears to be rather than the way it truly is. So again, what you look to will become the lens you look through. The lens you look through will become the lens you live through. I want you to take this truth and I want you to apply it to what we see and have revealed to us in 2 Corinthians 4, 18. And we can say it this way. Looking to things that are visible and temporal versus looking to things that are invisible and eternal. Now, I want to simplify this for you, okay? So we could say it this way. Looking to the facts versus looking to the truth. Looking to the facts versus looking to the truth. If there's been a theme for us on Sunday mornings this year, that theme has been a significant shift. And this, my friend, is one of the most significant shifts you could ever allow the Holy Spirit and the Holy Word of God to make in your life where you shift from looking to the facts to looking to the truth. What's the difference between facts and truth? Facts may be accurate right now, but they're not going to be necessarily accurate tomorrow. Fact is, this time last week, bottom fell out, and a lot of you scrambled outside to roll your windows up. That was a fact. That happened. 
If it was true, that means at whatever moment the bottom fell out and the rain started last week, he would do it every Sunday for time and eternity. In other words, if something is true, it's not subject to change. That's why the word temporary here is important. Faith doesn't deny whatever you're going through right now, but faith doesn't see it as permanent. Faith doesn't see it as unchangeable. Faith says, okay, we've got this problem. It's at best temporary. Or I guess we should say at worst temporary if it's a problem. Now, here's your assignment. I've been trying to give you some assignments. I want you to be honest with yourself and God because if you're not honest with God, you limit His ability to help you. Which approach best defines the way you live your life? How much time do you spend ingesting things, taking in eye gate, ear gate, into your mind, into your heart. How much time do you spend ingesting things that are visible and temporal, fact-based, compared to the time you spend ingesting things that are invisible and eternal, also known as truth-based? See, now we get into some basic life principles here, right? So easy to blame God, so easy, even easier to blame the devil, or blame how you were raised, or blame... You know, and I'm not trying to make light of these things, but, you know, your dad kicked your dog when you was a kid, and now you're this and that and all these other things. Listen, you can't control what people say about you or, or even to some extent what people do to you. But let me tell you what you do have control over and always will have control over. How you respond. How you respond. How much time do you spend ingesting things that are visible and temporal, Let's say, let's say, I've, I've been preaching now for about, I don't know, 40 minutes, I guess, 35 minutes. Let's say you ingested, what would 80% of it be? <laughs> right? Because, <laughs> you know, I hope that you hung on every word for 35 minutes, but you can't tell me. Some of you didn't think about what you're going to have for lunch for a few minutes. Come on now. Some of you thought, is this man ever going to finish? Right? Okay, so I'm just being silly here, but what else will you ingest this week that is eternal, invisible, truth-based versus the time that we spend focused on things that are temporary that are meaningless in light of eternity. Things that will never be thought of, never be recorded, never be mentioned, much less ever spoken of or, or done in heaven one day. And then we wonder why we're confused or we wonder why we still struggle with doubts or we wonder why we have such a hard time seeing things the way God would have us see them. What's the biggest obstacle situation that you're dealing with in your life right now? I'm serious now. I want you to think of it. What is it? What are you, is it a diagnosis? Is it something in your family? Is it something in your finances? Is it something to do with your health? Is it something to do with your mental health? 
What is the biggest obstacle situation you're dealing with in your life right now? In other words, let me say it another way. This might bring it even more home. If you could pick one thing in your life right now to no longer be an issue, to no longer be a problem, to be resolved just like that, never to have to deal with it, never have any issue, problem with it, what is that? Because that's, that's how you identify the biggest obstacle, the biggest situation you're dealing with in your life right now, okay? All right, now, what are the facts associated with that obstacle or situation, and what is the truth? Now, I'm not trying to get too uh, confrontational <laughs> this morning, but I'm going to do a little confrontation, can we, okay? What are the chances you know more facts about that situation than you know truth about it? I'm not talking about what you focus on. I'm talking about, I'm talking about what you know. See, we know all the facts. We know, I mean, it's, it's the Internet age. We, I mean, you know, the Internet says it's got to be true, right? No. No. What are the facts and what is the truth? What is temporary and visible? What is eternal and invisible? And then, of course, which one are you looking to? See, for you can never look to the invisible, eternal, for you can never look to the truth. You've got to know what the truth is. Faith is awakened and aroused and strengthened in your heart. Faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Faith is awakened, aroused, and strengthened in your life by hearing the way things truly are. If you only look to the facts, you'll never see your situation any other way than the way it appears to be. Which means you will never respond to your situation any other way than the way it appears to be. This means everything you say and do in response to your situation will be based upon the way it appears to be. If you look to the facts and the truth, look to the facts and the truth, you will waver back and forth between the two. Which means... Sometimes you will respond to your situation based upon the way it appears to be, and sometimes you will respond to your situation according to the way it truly is. I think that's where a lot of folks are. But what does James 1, 6 through 8 say? Let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose he'll receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded man and stable in all his ways. Look only to the truth, and you will only see it the way it truly is. This means everything you say and do in response to your situation will be based upon the way it truly is. You say, that's impossible, Pastor Mark. You're not reading the same Bible I'm reading. Singers, Matt, Vanessa, Daniel, come on. Anthony, if you want to. Anyway, singers, musicians, praise God. <laughs> Amen. God is good. Amen. You get anything out of this? Listen now, we got down to the nitty gritty this morning on some stuff, didn't we? Amen. Amen. You mad at me? Come on now, I'm trying to help you, okay? Amen. 
there's a saying in the recovery field, if nothing ever changes, nothing ever changes. Well, that sounds good. You know, there's another one that says, just do the next right thing. Okay, that's good too, unless you don't know what the next right thing is. And nothing ever, if nothing ever changes, nothing ever changes. Well, that's, that sounds cute, but what if you don't know what needs to change? See, as long, as long as you look at things as they appear to be, then that's the only way you'll ever see them, which means that's the only way you'll ever respond to them. Amen. Our children are coming back in for communion, if y'all are wondering what's happening, praise God. All right. The brothers that are going to help serve communion, if you would come, I want to pray over all of us. Um,